0: God knows the end from the beginning. Do you believe that about God? God knows the end from the beginning. He knows something's going to happen before it happens. He knows how something is going to end before the beginning begins. And I'm going to show you that Jesus Christ was not only our Savior and is not only our teacher, but he's also our prophet. And I'm going to talk to you about six signs of Jesus' return today. And this is a brand new series, The Last Days. According to Jesus. How many of you believe we're in the last days? The last of the last days. Do you believe that? Well, Jesus actually talked about the end of time as we know it. And the last days. And I'm going to read to you something that went down when Jesus had been visiting with his disciples the temple. They had gone into the temple. And they, I'm assuming he taught because that was his way. And then, when he was finished, they walked out. And that's where we're picking up the story. Matthew 24, the first three verses. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Verse 3, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. Now watch this. Pay pay close attention here, church, because now uh, Jesus said it's all coming down, and they're going to ask him now three questions. They say, Okay, tell us when will these things be? The these things is the temple coming down. But then they ask two more questions. What will be the sign of your coming Well, they can't have been talking about him actually coming to earth because he's looking at them. So they're talking about his return. And then of the end of the age, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they asked a three-pronged question. When is the temple coming down? What is going to be the sign of your return to earth? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? So right there we know that there is an end of things that will come. Because Jesus answered them with a whole chapter. Matthew 24, the whole chapter is Jesus answering those three questions. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you, Lord, that you are not only the Savior, not only the teacher, but you are the prophet. You are a prophet. You prophesied of things to come. Now, Lord, I pray that you will help us, Lord, that as we we share this word I need your anointing. I can't preach this without the anointing of God. And, Lord, we can't really grasp it without the anointing of God. So, Lord, speak to our hearts today. Quicken us with this truth. And help us to see that, Lord, you're coming. And help us to build our faith that soon and very soon we're going to see the king. In Jesus' name. And the rest of you, let's just pray together. Pray with me say, Lord Jesus, I receive your word. Speak to my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's coming soon. He's coming soon. Amen. Now, in the last few weeks, I have dealt with Jesus as our Savior and as our teacher. We went through uh, Matthew 7, 24 to 27 six times where Jesus said, you not only need to build your life on me as your Savior, but also me as your teacher. But today I want to talk to you about Jesus as prophet. He's savior, he's teacher, but he's also prophet. He's many things. Prophet is another one. Now, in reading the the Gospels, we find that Jesus prophesied all the time. He he predicted future events all the time. And what I want to show you at the beginning of this message is he he predicted things short-range, mid-range, and long-range. He predicted things that would that would go down within a few hours. Had no way of, I mean, in the natural, you would have no way of knowing, and I'm going to read it to you, what was going to happen in the next few hours. But Jesus reached into the future and predicted things that would go down within the next few hours or the next day. And then he also predicted things that would go down mid-range, many years down the road, but not too many, 37 years. And then he went long-range in Matthew 24, And he shared things that are going to be happening in our time in the last days. So let's look at some of the short-range predictions. Let me just show you a couple of them so you see what I'm talking about. Here's one of them. Luke 21, 29. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, now here comes the prophecy. Watch this, everybody. You will find. You're going to find, now he hadn't been there, he had no way of knowing in the natural what he's about to describe, but he said, guys, here's what you're going to find, a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. How do he know that? Untie it and bring it here, and and if anybody asks you, why are you untying it, I want you to say the Lord needs it, and look what it says, happened." Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. Hours ahead. Short-range prophecy. Verse 33, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus. Now watch this. Jesus predicted the exact scenario the disciples would find in this town right down to the very words the owner would speak. Why are you untying the colt? And he told them ahead of time how to respond to what he knew the owner would say. That's prophecy. Short range. You know what that tells me? He knows where you're going to be at 4 o'clock today. He knows exactly what you're going to be doing. He knows exactly what you're going to say before you ever say it. That's proven right here. Why are you untying the colt? Jesus said, that's what they're going to say. Here's how you answer it. Here's another example. When Jesus got ready to celebrate and to establish the Lord's Supper, it says he sent the disciples ahead into Jerusalem with these instructions. Luke 22.10. As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. That's prophecy. He's not there. But Jesus has jumped into into the future, and he sees a man carrying a jar of water. And he says to the disciples, I want you to follow him to the house that he enters. And say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He He will show you, that's future, that's prophecy, he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnish make preparations there and verse 13 they left and found things just as jesus had told them short range what gets me is he not only predicted the exact setting they would encounter a man walking down the road with a jar on his head so jesus knew he was going to have a jar on his head before he ever picked up the jar jesus knows the end from the beginning But he also predicted the willing response of the owner of the guest room. Sure, you can have the room. Now, how do you do this? There's only one way you do this. The only way you do this is if you're God. Only God knows the end from the beginning. Only God knows how a thing is going to end before its beginning even begins. Only God can tell you what's going to take place hours later. Years later, or all the way down through the end of time to the end of the age, only God knows, and Jesus was God the Son. God the Son. So as God, he knew what was happening short-range. But let's look at a mid-range. The most amazing mid-range prophecy that Jesus ever made was the one that was in the text we read today. He and the disciples had just walked out of the temple. The disciples are just struck by the beauty of this place. It was one of the architectural wonders of the world. And they were overwhelmed with the beauty of this place and they're bragging on it. And they're saying to Jesus, Wow, can you believe this place? This incredible, in this beautiful, in this outstanding, can you believe this beautiful place? And Jesus cut them short. And he said, Let me tell you what's going to happen with this place. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone is going to be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. He didn't say, fall down, he said, thrown down violently. This seemed impossible. And you know what to them? It seemed even ridiculous. Because this, this, again, was one of the architectural wonders of the world. The temple, people came from all over the world to see this temple. It was just this fixture in Jerusalem. And it was inconceivable that it would ever come down. Yet 37 years, 37 years... After his stunning prediction, the impossible happened. The Romans invaded Jerusalem. They slaughtered over a million Jews. They set fire to the temple and destroyed it, leaving not one stone upon another that was not violently thrown down. Midrange. Jesus is absolutely accurate as a prophet. He prophesied short-range, he prophesied mid-range. And now the disciples come to him and say, when when is this going to happen? And he described what was going to happen before the temple came down. So he took care of that question. But then Jesus jumped way down in time to the end of time, to the last days. And he made predictions long-range about what things would be like in our world before he returned. Now, I want you to notice something here then when the disciples asked him about his return, he didn't say, what are you talking about? What do you mean return? Say what? He didn't do that, did he? As a matter of fact, Jesus immediately received the question as a legitimate question and he answered it. He took a whole chapter to answer it. The lengthiest prophecy of his entire ministry on earth was answering that question. So rather than refute it, Or treat it as an illegitimate, weird question. He said, you're absolutely right. I am coming back. And here's what the signs are going to be. Now I ask you today, if he was right 100% with short range and mid range, what do you think of long range? Oh, the prophet Jesus is going to be absolutely Accurate. Matter of fact, I'm going to show you today when I go over six warning signs or six of the signs that Jesus gave about his return. Many of them are already happening right now as we sit here. Now, if you believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, you have to believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because over and over and over again, the Bible predicts. Did you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all predict the second coming of Jesus Christ? The return of Jesus Christ? And the writings of Peter, Paul, James, and Jude all predict the second coming of Jesus Christ. And if you read the book of Revelation, from first chapter to the 22nd chapter, it's all about the second coming, the return of Jesus Christ to the world. The Bible is full of predictions and prophecies that Jesus Christ is coming back to the world. He's near. He's even at the very door. I really almost picture an angel standing in heaven holding the trumpet. He he can't wait to blow it. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Now, if you love him, that's good news. If you don't know him, that's scary news. And so I think some of you might be a little bit spooked by what I'm going to share with you. The rest of you are going to be rejoicing. Now... Jesus commands his true disciples to watch for his return. He said, so you likewise, when you see these things, the signs that he predicts happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation that sees the signs coming to pass, this generation will by no means pass till all things are fulfilled, including the second coming of Jesus Christ to the world. Now, you're going to notice, as I go over these signs, you're going to say to yourself, well, those have always been on the earth. Those things have always happened. So I don't see what the uniqueness is about these signs because they've always taken place. But there is a key to understanding what Jesus meant when he covered these signs. And it's found in verse 8. Jesus said, all of these, he's talking about the six signs that I'm going to share with you, all of these are the beginning of birth pangs. Now, that's the key to understanding what he said. Every mom and dad here, every one of you know about birth pangs. I said moms and dads, not married people, moms and dads. If if you're a mom and a dad, then you know about birth pangs because you've been there when a baby was born or when you as a woman or as a husband watching your wife went into birth pangs and you know what it's about. When a woman is pregnant, she knows from the calendar the general time when the baby is due. But as the day approaches, her body begins to send clear signals called labor pains. And the reason they're called pains is because she's in pain. Well, I'll never forget when Kathy and I had, our, well, when Kathy, had, I say and I, when Kathy had our first baby, I was so dumb and dumber. I was a young, dumb and dumber husband. And I'll never forget, she's in labor, and she's been in labor a long time, and, and she's there on that, that table, and I'm in there trying to comfort her because we did all the Lamaze things, you know, the breathing and all that. And I'm going, come on, Kathy, we learned how to breathe. Come on, breathe the way we learn. And, and, and then I had the audacity and the stupidity to say, come on, Kathy, what's taking so long? These shoes are killing me. Let me tell you, she created new words. (laughs) Lamaze, I hate to break it to you, went right out the window. When you're in labor, buddy, you are in labor and you want that baby to be born. But Jesus said, I want you to understand something. The signs... Because as the labor pains continue, here's what happens. They take place with greater intensity and greater frequency until finally that baby is born. Remember that phrase, greater intensity and greater frequency. They happen closer and closer together, and they're more and more powerful until the baby is born. That's Jesus' point with the signs. He's telling us that the signs that he is pointing to will begin to happen with greater intensity and frequency leading up to his return. So, so as I go over these signs, I want you to remember they precede a new birth. So the signs, all but one of them are negative and they're difficult to hear. They're, they're not something you want to go through, but keep in mind they're labor pains. Jesus said they're labor pains. The signs I'm giving you are labor pains. And when they begin to happen with closer and uh, closer and closer frequency and intensity, You need to know that a new baby is about to be born, a new world where Jesus is king of kings, lord of lords, and he's ruling the world with a scepter of righteousness. So these signs, Jesus said, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish. She forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. I got news for you. We're going to go through some of these labor pains, but the day is going to come we're going to forget the anguish for joy that we're in a brand new world under a brand new Savior. The devil is going to be bound and thrown into hell and wickedness will no longer rule the earth and Jesus is going to be king of kings, lord of lords, and a lion is going to lay down with a lamb and it's going to be a time of incredible peace and joy so everybody say with me "A a new day is coming and that's what the labor pains tell us a new day is coming so let's look at these signs or these labor pains now because of time i can't deal with them exhaustively but i'm going to deal with them enough to give you a basic grasp of what jesus predicted remember they said lord what's going to be the sign of your return and of the end of the age And he took off and he went long range and he said, here is what is going to characterize the world before I come and it's going to be happening more and more with greater intensity before I appear and the new world is born. The first sign Jesus mentions is spiritual deception. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many are going to come in my name claiming I am the Christ and they will deceive many. Now the first sign is nothing new to the church. There's always been false teachers, false prophets, false messages, false doctrine. The early church was dealing with it all the way back in the time of Paul, Peter, James, John and Jude. Their writings are filled with warnings about false teaching. In our own generation, we immediately think of somebody like Jim Jones or David Koresh. But I want to shoot straight with you as a pastor. I've never seen more deception, both within the church and in the secular culture, than I do right now. Never have. The latest statistics, this this shocked even me, but the latest statistics, Statistics tell us there are around 2,500 religious cults right now in America alone. 2,500, I can tell you for sure. That wasn't the case in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s. Wasn't the case. It's the case now. 2,500 deceptive religious cults in America alone gaining membership And within many churches, if I can be real honest, things posing as genuine experiences from the Holy Spirit, as well as false teachings about the person and the work of Jesus Christ, have found strong followings. I'm talking about aberrant, um, false, misleading teachings about Jesus. That Jesus became a... Sinner hanging on the cross, that he experienced a fallen nature, that he needed to be born again, that he went into hell and suffered for us in hell after dying on the cross. All of that is false. That's not true. Jesus on the cross said it is finished and it, it is finished in the Greek means it is finished. But there's all these teachings going around misrepresenting Christ, misrepresenting Christian living. Churches in America, big ones, famous ones, will no longer talk about hell. They won't talk about sin. They won't talk about conviction. They won't talk about the needing, the need to repent. They are, they are, they are motivational seminars, not gospel messages. There are churches who won't mention hell. They won't mention sin. There is a turning away. There is deception. People are given giving the, the a, a totally wrong misrepresentation of what Christian living is about. That God just wants you wealthy. God just wants you rich. God wants you uh, to financial uh, to prosper financially. And I'm not saying He doesn't, but that is not the crux and core of Christian teaching. Christian teaching is you die to yourself. You live unto God. You pick up your cross daily and you follow Jesus if you live godly in Christ Jesus you're going to suffer persecution it is not a, a a a listen it is not all roses there's in every rose there's a thorn and if you're a christian you're going to experience some tough times because of it but we're not told the truth about christian living because there is such a such a message that is misleading and false and Jesus said spiritual deception is going to grow and successfully seduce multitudes Before I come back. The second sign is international conflict. Everybody say labor pain. It's a labor pain. I'm going into labor pains here. It's a labor pain. International conflict. Jesus said in answer to their question. What's going to be the sign of the end of the age. You're going to hear of wars. And rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Everybody say I'm not alarmed. If you're following Jesus, you should never be alarmed. Such things must happen. But the end is still to come. Then he said, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. The Greek text reads this way. You will be continuously hearing of wars and rumors of wars and international conflict, ethnicity with ethnicity, nation with nation, ethnos with ethnos, The world is going to be characterized by chronic upheaval and bloody conflict. It's a birth pain. When that woman is having a birth pain, there's nothing glorious about it. It hurts. These things, there's nothing glorious about them. They hurt. But they are preceding the birth of a new world. Is this happening with increasing intensity and frequency in our world today? I want to give you a resounding yes. And I have to tell you, I've looked at history. Yes is the answer. Go back to the 20th century. We have been in the 21st century not long at all. Go back to the 20th. In 20th century wars alone, almost 100 million people, 100, that's a third of America, 100 million people lost their lives through weapons of mass destruction never before dreamed possible. Since World War II has ended, so post-World War II, there have been over 150 wars, resulting in the deaths of more than 10 million people, 100 million, 10 million. As I speak right now, there are between 50 and 60 conflicts currently raging on the planet, the war-torn planet Earth, either as limited civil battles or as full-scale cross-border wars. 50 to 60 happening right now. I I, I challenge you to go to any newspaper, any news source that is global in its scope, and I guarantee you, you cannot get away from it without reading about a war or a rumor of war. Jesus said, such things must happen, and they will increase with intensity and frequency before I return to the planet. Everybody say labor pain. pain. Now the third one is natural disasters. Jesus said there's going to be famines. He said there will be famines, earthquakes, and pestilences in various places, and all of these are the beginning of birth pains. So Jesus is telling us right here, all of these, these things that I've already said are the beginning of the birth pains that will happen more and more until I return. Now, again, we've always had famines and earthquakes and Uh, Pestilences, which is an outbreak of disease. They've always been with us since the beginning of time. But are they increasing? I want to say, if you think back to the time when the Black Plague swept Europe, people during that Black Plague, when it swept Europe, they were convinced they were in the end of time. They were convinced that this was being fulfilled. But that was one plague. What strikes me about now is how many there are. Jesus said they will increase with intensity and frequency. When you read the book of Revelation, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse is is the black horse of famine, which John saw galloping across planet Earth in the last days. The black horse of famine. As of now... I. This is a recent statistic. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization declared in March that 23 of the continent's 53 countries, almost half of the world, face dire food shortages. That means half the world is looking at going to bed hungry or worried about food. Half the world. But there's going to come a time when that black horse gallops. And then famine will cover the earth. But right now, we're seeing famine on a huge scale. Jesus said it's a labor pain. And, and what about pestilence? He mentioned pestilence. That's epidemic disease. Statistics show that in a span of less than 25 years, the United States alone, not to mention the rest of the world, just America alone, has been stricken by a wave of pestilence and new infections. This is a quote. These are not my words. Over the last century, here's a few. Terrible plagues, plagues, that's a pestilence, like toxic shock syndrome, Legionnaire's disease, AIDS, Lyme disease, bird flu, Ebola, hantavirus have emerged from from obscurity to become household names. So Jeff, this isn't blessing me. I didn't intend for it to bless you. I intended for it to inform you. All right. I'm not here. I didn't expect everybody to jump up and shout, All right, plagues! I want you to see that our Savior, our teacher, is a dead-on prophet. Jesus said these things would increase in intensity and frequency prior to his return. Pestilences, a fourth sign is fierce persecution. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Now, as I speak, folks, and and I'm not trying to be doomsday. I'm not being doomsday at all. I'm being, there's about to be a new day, not doomsday. There's a new day coming. But here's the deal. Jesus said there's going to be fierce persecution. It's going to cover the world and characterize the age before he returns. In other parts of the world right now, people are suffering and dying for naming the name of Christ. They're suffering and dying. Get this. The Voice of the Martyrs publication, a very valid, well-known, long-standing publication, reports that there is a greater degree of persecution of Christians and believers dying for their faith today than at any time since the time of Jesus Christ. Christians are being persecuted for their faith in more than 40 nations around the world. And I'm going to be bold enough to say, you can put America in there now. America is starting to persecute, literally persecute Christians. I could go into examples. I don't have time. But in some of those 40 nations, it's illegal to own a Bible, to share your faith in Christ, to change your faith, to convert from, say, Islam to Christianity. They'll kill you for it. Or teach your children about Jesus. Now you would say, well, that's never going to come to America, teaching my children about Jesus. Oh, it's already here. In California, there are places, there are schools that if you teach Jesus, you will be fired. And it's getting to the place where you could be doing something illegal to teach a child about Jesus. That's why we've started Early Learning Center here. We're going to reach children with the Word of God. With the Word of God. Before the devil gets them. Because the devil is teaching little children, i want to tell you right now. A fifth sign it's going to get better after this one. So everybody say praise God. praise God. Widespread apostasy. Jesus said, at that time many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many will grow cold. Now listen to the many's there. Many will turn away. Many will be deceived. Many will lose their love for Jesus in the last days because of the increase of wickedness. Now let me define apostasy so you know what I'm talking about. Apostasy is not backsliding. When you backslide, you get caught up in some kind of a sin and you compromise and and, and you get involved in something you know is wrong and you eventually repent and you come back out. Apostasy is different. Apostasy is when you renounce Christ altogether. You completely and decisively step away from him as your savior and from the truth that is in him. I don't want Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't think he is who he said he was. I totally renounce Christ as savior. That's apostasy. Jesus said in the last days, many are going to turn away from the faith. So did Paul. Paul wrote, the spirit clearly says that in the last times, some will abandon the faith. Notice Jesus and Paul both called the faith that is in Jesus Christ the faith. Because actually, folks, there's only one true faith. There's only one the faith. And it's faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only faith that saves. That's the only faith that delivers. That's the only faith that gets you into heaven. The faith. How does the church fare today regarding apostasy? I could have written what I'm about to read, but one church observer writes this. At the dawn of the 21st century, the church of Jesus Christ is sick with apostasy, debilitating every missionary work, every Christian school, every witness through the media, every local assembly of believers. Apostasy is galloping through the Western church with intensity and increasing frequency. I can tell you it's true, but now let me give you some good news. Everybody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, before I return again, as a matter of fact, he said, I can't return again until this sign is fulfilled worldwide evangelism. Jesus said this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Look at the words of Jesus. The end cannot come until all the nations have heard the gospel message. Jesus can't come till all the nations have heard the gospel message. He cannot return and take over the world till all the nations have heard. Now, this doesn't mean every single person has to hear. Nor does it mean the world is to become Christianized like kingdom now theology teaches. There is a teaching out there that says, oh, the church's job is to convert society over to Christianity, and when the world has become Christianized, then Jesus is going to come. That's a false teaching. That's not true. We just read the world's going to get worse, not better. The world's going to get darker, and the true church is going to get lighter and brighter. But here's the deal. Jesus said, when the last nation has been reached, then I'm going to come. Every nation has to be reached. So according to Jesus Christ, there's going to be a marked increase in worldwide evangelism as his return draws near. Now let me give you the stats and then I'm done. It is precisely what is happening right now. Missions experts tell us that there are approximately 12,000 unreached people groups left in the world. The good news is that 9,000 of those people groups have already been targeted for missionary evangelism. That leaves 3,000 people groups unreached, and that number is dropping all the time. The day is going to come when the last nation, the last nation, is reached with the gospel. What I'm so thankful for is God has allowed even us to have a little part in this because already this week, we've reached 108 nations in the world. Through Life Talk Radio, through this church, we've reached 108 nations in the world. I want to play a part in reaching some of those last people groups. Some of those last people groups. As a matter of fact, I'm making it a prayer. Lord Jesus, let us reach some of those last people groups. Wouldn't it be a blessing to be a... Uh, Play a part in reaching that last one. Spiritual deception, international conflict, natural disasters, fierce persecution, widespread apostasy, and worldwide evangelism. Six signs. He said, when you see these things happening, know that the end is near, at the door. Can we stand together? Oh, I want to play a part. You know, the Lord has been good to me. He answers prayers. He's always answered prayers regarding ministry for me. And I think it's because I was so desperately lost. I was such a broken person. And so he just reached down and said, you know what? I'm going to take one messed up guy. But see, he's called all of us together. I believe he'll let me be a part in reaching that last people group. Hey, we may send some of you to reach that last people group. But the Lord will know when it happens. And when it happens, that last nation gets it. The father's going to turn to the son. He's going to say, son, go get your bride. Amen.